So it's come to this. Oof. Yeah. You're about to tell me some bad news, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Your dad's dead. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) This again? Yeah. (laughs) Should not have told you this over the air. Every time. (laughs) Your dad's dead. I'm sorry. Uh, It's come to this. I've just given Charlie some horrible news. This is I, why you don't do the intros. I, I I just do the intro so however it comes to me. I, I It came very funereal. Very bad yeah. news delivery. Get in a good mood, man. One. I'm sorry. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. And it's come to this. It's a podcast. And Be I'm, happy. Well, Jesus. <laughs> the, the, the movie that we're going to talk about. Oh, I know. Yeah. Is... <laughs> So terrifying. This is a scary movie that we're <laughs> that we're doing right now. I was so scared in this wrong. movie. This is also probably going to be our first made-for-TV movie, so it's weird oh, to be yeah. like, "This is the scariest <laughs> movie we've done," because it was it aired on Showtime originally. But yeah, uh, yeah, we are talking about when a stranger calls back. Bum, the sequel, bum, bum. yes. The sequel to the years earlier when a stranger calls, which neither of us have ever seen. I love that twist. Yep. We saw the sequel. We've never seen the original. Never and let me tell original. you, you don't have to. You don't need to. This movie stands on its own. Yeah. 100%. And it doesn't try to to leech off of the earlier movie, but it has the same characters it's an actual it. sequel yeah, yeah it it's does an have... actual sequel not any kind of uh hey remember this right exactly it doesn't dumb it down and it stands totally on its own and boy does it stand on its own i was so scared this movie is uh chilling yeah like this movie makes your blood run cold when you're watching it it makes your stomach just drop oh. it, it, it's every like it actually gives you those fear instincts Whereas most movies just make you jump or they give you that kind of excitement. This movie actually gives you like the fight or flight oh, man. Uh, emotion because, uh, well, it's a very simple babysitter at home terrorized by a man <laughs> outside the door. Yeah, uh, it's a simple premise that we've seen done in movies. Yeah. I've never seen it done this scary. Yeah. Now, had you heard of this movie even? You'd heard of the original, I know. I'd heard the the yeah the phrase maybe sure. more than anything. The phrase, I when think a when stranger a stranger calls, calls is I like mean, that's a pretty famous. I'm familiar title. with Stranger Danger, <laughs> all the strangers, uh, all the strangers, sure. Yeah, Stranger Things again. Yeah. You said I read The Stranger by Camus. Wow, I'm all I'm knee so deep in strangerness. You're past strange. <laughs> it's good. Uh, but no, I don't think I'd ever knew this one. I never had the Showtime as a ten-year-old. Uh, you weren't watching uh, growing up in Showtime the early nineties. Made for made for Showtime. Mama, can we watch when a stranger calls back? <laughs> I couldn't even watch The Simpsons. Well, I'm not going to be watching this stuff. But uh, no, it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I also, I've never heard of this. We didn't have cable, let alone, yeah, twelve-year-old me. It was also not going to be watching mm-hmm. whatever hot. Saturday Night Showtime original was playing. <laughs> I was more of a USA Originals type. Right. They respected our troops. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is, I assume, Showtime trying to be more HBO competitive, I assume. I would think so, but I'm, like, honestly... This seems I like don't... a move where we're like, we're going to start doing more original movies. But this, then... So this came out in 93, right? Yeah. What was HBO doing in 93? Arliss? I mean, what was... Uh... Uh, a little they... show I like to call Dream On. <sighs> I don't know. That might have been tell Showtime. tell me, man. I'm not sure. This is pre-Oz, though. This is like before... Yeah, Oz is like 97. This is before HBO was like, we're serious, serious. But they, yeah. also, they already had the... It's not... Larry Sanders. You know, it's not TV, it's HBO or whatever, right? Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders. Early 90s. Legendary. So they were doing stuff. Showtime was definitely the competitor trying to come up. I think they were trying to be sexier. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were trying to be they a really little more provocative. It was like 90s. Not quite Skinamax, like, but they were like kind of going that direction. Yeah, like the 90s, uh, well, just like the same way straight to video and, and cable TV movies went. They really went for that sexy 90s thriller, mm-hmm. that steamy thriller. Stuff well, even, like Jade. Yeah, you, you know, even <laughs> There's life, a lot of those kind of sexy thrillers. Yeah, Lifetime that. movies in the 90s, right? It's like, it's yeah. all just... Uh, Sexy murder man and and uh, yeah, murdering jeans guy. Uh, what's the uh, yeah? M- Mommy, can I sleep with danger? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that. So this I think probably got lumped in with so a lot of that stuff. Yeah, is what I is what I'm thinking with Stranger Calls Back. I was so scared during yeah. this movie. This was as scared as I was uh, when we saw Us earlier this year, mm. and I was I was scared during that one. Yeah, this one I'm just sitting in my chair. It's like I felt like I was in the sunken place. Mm. Man, you get so zoned in on a movie and that TV is just like like tractor beam and I am terrified. Well, yeah, so the movie starts off right when this girl shows up to babysit some kids. Yeah. And immediately as soon as the parents leave and she's on her own, I don't know how this guy did it. Uh, this is the the same um, the same guy who did the original, right? Fred Walton, the, yeah. the director. So whatever he knows how to do, he knows how to do it because the way he's framing the shots, the way the camera kind of moves maybe down the hallway yeah. or shows her just you you get this sense of isolation and vulnerability and uh, it's scariness. The first 30. She's before, oh. before anything even happens, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden the doorbell rings and it is just like blood runs cold. <laughs> like really. The atmosphere in this thing was just insane. Like, it's just like that, everything just stops. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? Who's ringing <laughs> the doorbell right now? Yeah. Why is somebody ringing the bell at this? Yeah. The From the beginning, yeah. from go in this movie, it sets an atmosphere. And the, the babysitter is played by Jill Sholin. Hey. We are. We know her. This is really becoming the, the Jill cast. The, the uh, yeah. The underappreciated scream queen of the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Um, she's the babysitter. I don't even... Do we even see the kids? We the kids are the basically kids. Kids in, are in bed. Kids are in bed, right? Yeah, we so see the kids in bed. So she's alone in this nice suburban house. Mm-hmm. The classic babysitter is going to read or do some homework. Super classic, yeah. But uh, yeah, she's great. And yeah, you can just sense the tension. As soon as, again, as soon as that doorbell rings, man, you're just like... Uh, yeah, it's not like she had the TV on or music. She's mm-hmm. in this house, and you you're looking out, and immediately once this doorbell rings, I'm sitting here already like, oh god, she has all these lights on in the house, meaning that she can't see out. That like I'm immediately like my brain's already going, okay, okay, that, yeah. That's that, what this movie does. Something about that doorbell was so ominous. Well, that's what I mean. Just... This movie actually gives you like the what would I do if I was in this position? Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's so what she does is she walks to the door and answers it and there's a man at the door who says his car has broken down and he needs you to call, you know, the car service yeah. to to tow him away or whatever. Well, he wants to seems use the, he wants to come he in. He wants to, use to come the phone. in and use the phone. Right. Uh, she says she'll call the service. She lies because the phone is out. So she goes to the phone and yeah. the phone's not working. And you're just like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, obviously before I, cell phones. So this is not, you know, I don't know. Maybe back in the day you did, you, you, you just knocked on people's doors to use their phone. I don't, I don't know. remember that. What, so I started getting so scared because, I mean, yeah, I mean, if your car breaks down, you go to the nearest house. That's a horror movie trope. Go to that barn. Mm-hmm. Has to use their phone. Uh, so my parents' house is out in the country. Right. Dirt road to get out there. Mostly paved now. So Oh, good. There you good go. For them. <laughs> and when I would Welcome. be like left home alone, there's no street lights out there, man. Our place is just dark. Mm-hmm. It is just out in the country, dark, creaky house. Scary as hell. And so the second this gal is like, I luckily was never home alone at night when the doorbell just rang. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I don't know what I would have done. 
if I was a teen, even. I don't know. I, would I don't know. So scared. I don't know what and I so, do now as, a, yeah. as an adult man. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> just won't stop ringing go, my doorbell. Go away. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't want to do this. Please go away now. Um, There's other houses. And then, it, yeah, if your phone was dead or whatever, right? Compounding that, so you're on your own. I mean, this this movie really gives you that she's on her own. Yeah. Sense of vulnerability. So this is like the first third of the movie. Mm-hmm. We spend in this whole babysitter scenario. Yeah. And it just, it's one of those things that you feel so in the room. It feels like this one long shot, even though it clearly is a not any kind of tracking shot scene. You're just so in the room and in the house with this girl. Yeah. And the guy could not sound more, you know, frank. He's not a doesn't sound like a weird guy. Right? Sounds like but a normal. Sounds like the most normal dude. request, the most normal request. But our inherent and probably earned distrust of just fellow man is so scary. Mm-hmm. Well, especially from her perspective, being yeah. this young girl, and now she's in charge of two kids. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those where it, you you immediately think of the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, she notices throughout the scene, you know, the man leaves when she l- has lied about calling the service. Now, did he yep. cut the phone lines? Does yeah. he we know, don't know she's lying? We don't know it's what, one of those where, yeah. oh, man, the tension, though, We is don't so know what crazy. anybody knows. Yeah. It's such a brilliantly scripted piece of drama because everything she does is she has intentions to help him. She's not necessarily trying to run the guy off. But the second the phone... She picks up the phone and discover that's dead. You could see the camera just lingering on her because she's clearly like, well, there's no way the guy will believe me uh-huh. if I tell him the phone's dead. Like, well, then you, if, you know, you're putting in this fake person, this if, guy's shoes. But then if he knows the phone's dead, then he knows you're that's on the, your own in there, right? Well, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what this guy, we don't know how innocent this guy is. We don't know, we don't know anything. We don't know if the lines are just dead by accident. We assume this guy cut the lines. And so I then do. we assume <laughs> that uh, that he knows she couldn't have called. Mm-hmm. But we don't totally know. And then she starts realizing, like, she goes through all of the pantomime motions of doing all these things. Because she can't let this guy into the lie that she's not calling because she can't. Right. Again, if this if she had tried to, assuming this guy is one hundred percent honest, <laughs> and she comes back and just says, "Oh yeah, I can't call. Our phones are dead." Like, clearly would sound like she was just trying to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like she knew she couldn't. She tries to make tell it sound the like truth. She's, yeah, she she says she calls an hour later when obviously no one has come. Theoretically, from the car service, he's back at the door. Uh, she does actually at one point kind of ask him to f- go to a different house, but he says no one's home. Yeah. And then he has this really threatening, you're the only one home. Yeah. Kind of on the whole block. And that just, I mean, again, that just chill down your spine. This thing is such Oof. a perfect slow burn throughout this whole theory. The tension in this scene, When I, like I said, when I say I was terrified, Oh my God! I w- I couldn't take my eyes off this whole thing. Mm-hmm. The torture that this girl was going through, and you know, kind of similar to, I I got to imagine that Craven for that opening scene in Scream. Oh, for you know, sure. Same kind of thing with yeah. Drew Barrymore. Um, but we never see the guy. We can't see out these windows. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this girl's making bad choices, but she's not. Mm-hmm. She her choices have been kind of made for her. Well, wasn't there also that uh, we were watching it with our friends, and I think it was Sean who kept noticing that she wouldn't put the chain on the door. Oh, lock yeah, it, yeah. And he kept being like, "Put the chain on the door," you know. <laughs> so it was, it was definitely just one of those where it was really evoking these like, <laughs> yeah, responses from the group uh, yeah. as we're watching it. You know, don't go in there, and oh yeah, that kind was, of stuff, right? I like I said when it put you. In the room, mm-hmm. with the, you felt the emptiness of this house. You know this house that looks totally different in the daytime and is covered with awful 1993 floral <laughs> patterns. Is now this like scary place of torture, with only one person visible on the screen. Yeah, 
I know it does so much with so little yeah. happening, but it's so well written, so well mm-hmm. acted that and directed, I guess. I mean, just yeah, everything goes into it to yeah. makes it intense. From the the terror in that scene for me is is really similar and I think on the same level as one of my absolute cheese. Definitely my favorite 70s horror movie, uh Black Christmas. Mm. That, oh, no, we Chris- should do that. Christmas is coming. We should up. do that Uh-oh. one, yeah. Well, they're ma- they're remaking that one, oh, you know, So we'll We can do a a, a twofer. That would be fun. The best movie ever I'd with to, this movie to, that has I'd have no to chance see that to be original one again. Oh, we'll watch it. Well, that'll be coming up Christmas, one month. Uh, this whole scene, I, I put the, the Black Christmas. I think is terrifying, hmm. and this captured this struck that same exact nerve with me. Oh God, it's only a third of the movie. Yeah, but it is so powerful and keeps ramping and keeps ramping and has a couple of turns yeah and oh well the scene kind of culminates with the guy telling her there's someone in the house yeah now it's the guy who's trying to get her the phone is now seeming like a guy trying to help her right there's somebody in there he can see someone in there and it's so and then it makes you think of like that urban legend with the headlight the car following the woman who keeps oh, hitting the yeah. high beams right and then it was trying to warn her about the axe murder oh, in the back totally so, uh, yeah, so this guy's like, someone's in the house. She goes and checks on the kids. Kids are gone, missing out of their bed. Worst case scenario, yeah, come to life here. The worst thing that, and, could, that you could see. And uh, it kind of culminates in her finally seeing a figure in the house. And then I get, you know, she runs she out runs of the house. Out, yeah. And it kind of blacks out at that point. And, man, what a, just a... What just a seeing that figure coming at her uh-huh. in the house and like seeing this manifestation just of just a moving shadow threat coming at, yeah it's like all this guy just all decked out in black yeah basically a black figure just coming at her like a nightmare it yeah. really was like a like an actual nightmare oh man crazy this was for me this is just a perfect 30 minutes of mm-hmm. horror i mean from bell to bell mm-hmm. it just stays scary the whole time crazy level i had actually seen this first half hour before i just watched this on a lark when i saw it on amazon prime okay and it was one of these like "Eh, okay you know been like been into this late 80s early 90s aesthetic Mm -hmm. quite a bit in our horror viewing total fluke and i got so immediately wrapped up in that first 30 minutes i turned it off right after that 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 first 30 and it's like, no, I want to see this with a group for the first time. Sure. Just because, like, this will play great. Because this is so scary. I want everybody to be scared with this. <laughs> and so I was really happy it got picked. Because uh, I've been... I probably had watched this maybe, uh, like, a year ago. At mm-hmm. first 30. And, whew, mm. man, it has stuck with me. And then the movie gets... Uh, weird. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, From there. The movie, then we do what? Five years into the forward? Something, yeah, I oh, think it's a man. five year later. This was one of the, the, we didn't realize the scariest twist was yet to come. <laughs> oh, this is horrifying. So yeah, uh, flash forward to five years later. Julia, the... our babysitter, is now a college student. Uh-huh. Uh, living alone. Uh, introverted. She's doing. Detached. She's doing bad, guys. She's not. She she's living, but she's not living. You know, she's uh, the wor- The biggest crime, but yeah, <laughs> is her character takes arguably the worst physical appearance turn that we've seen in any movie. Yes, unfortunately, including if- including uh, movies like Popcorn. Yeah, where, we, <laughs> where the guys a crazed burn the, victim. The burn victim guy, not as disturbing as the mullet that Julia sports at the second half of this movie. She, I blame the 90s. I don't think uh, movies from the early 90s have aged very no, well it's in poor. their wardrobe. It's a poor time. And, uh, a lot of puffiness. Yeah, it's tough. And this is a very well, bad example. So, Jill Sholin is someone with cool hair. <laughs> her hair and popcorn she had the cool ass bangs sure the, she has got black hair it's got that like uh shannon doherty totally kind of straight black hair 
So she's got kind of a Winona Ryder vibe as well, but cool hair. She had cool hair and popcorn. Mm-hmm. Definitely looked like a you know bikini kill kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And her hair as the babysitter, she comes across to me insanely sympathetic, not only for how in the whole ordeal is, but she is just seems like the cutest, nicest person. Hmm. You know, she she's dressed sensibly, but cute for the time, for the style of the time, and has like a cool, cute, short haircut. You know, it's like, man, this girl can, she can pull off all sorts of cool hair. <laughs> like, like this Jill Schoen. Five years later. Yeah. And Jill's apparently, Julia is now under the alias Peggy Lee Leather. <laughs> she's got like mom jeans bad vests oh the vest the plaid vests that she was wearing just in this thing brutal vests rough and that hair just this it her hair's so bad that we're all like she's clearly wearing a disguise it, she's it, in hiding it looked like a bad wig yeah but it looked like a bad like trailer park mullet or it was like something that you know it was the first <laughs> head of hair that Edward Scissorhands had tried out. Like, before he got a hang of the scissors. It was a scissors. real hack job. Yeah. It was real just, butchered job. It's those It's those bangs, though, man. Those, like, big, like... like Kind of like curled a ba- Like, bangs that you could surf. Yeah. Because they've just got this kind of wave. Just just curling down. Soda can like, rolled around them. Yeah, to get that exactly. perfect curve. Oh, I, just, I, I just couldn't get over it. But it was that... You got those bad, gelled-up bangs, and then just the choppiest, jagged mullet. Mm -hmm. Just a brutal cut. Rough cut. It's tough stuff. And then you're looking... But then every part is like, oh, but that vest. Oh, those (laughs) jeans. Oh, you're... Like... So then it's this new kind of terror. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where you're just constantly, (laughs) like, revolted by these parts. What a brutal... This is like... And, I mean, her apartment's not great either. No. No, nothing's... (laughs) Nothing's working. She's in the shit, guys. Nothing is working for this woman. Her... Her, uh... felt so bad for her <laughs> it's worse than those awful pants that nancy wears during the first <laughs> street dream those big old lumpy those khakis. things are cool come on now those the lumpy the nancy cacks mushy butt uh. khaki pleated oh the ones where i isn't that what i talked to heather Langenkamp about yeah yeah yep. tell me about why you wore those khaki like as an actress i think i would make a stand at what point of her outfit was she like? How far it's am I living? First take big me? movie, you know. I don't know. I mean, she, she was in the Stepfather. That was big. Well, popcorn. She was the lead. It was the style. I don't know, man. I, that's why I say it was the nineties. <laughs> Defend 90s. it. It was like, defend her choices. I don't. I don't think. She, well, a she's not gonna like. Yeah, have a uh, a fit. Ooh, I don't know. By the time they're like, over and her here's vest. your mom vest. And here's the vest. Like, oh Jesus, vests too. Well. So we immediately see that Julia is not only doing badly, mm-hmm. she is clearly at her life's bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't accidentally wind up with those jeans and that vest and that hair. Maybe one of the three. Maybe. Maybe two. Maybe two if not you're all. pushing. Not all, all three. three. No. Oh. Well, it's so, just, it's, it's a really, it was a great way of the uh, director showing that she has no one in her life. Yeah. Somebody would have said something. So, <laughs> somebody would have corrected the trajectory. Tru- yeah. Somebody would have been like, Jesus, Julia, what's, <laughs> what's happening? Are you wearing those vests again? Yeah, are you still <laughs> hung up about that incident? Yeah, no, this was a girl, like, she was doing her best. Mm-hmm. Doing her best. And yeah. If she had somebody, somebody would have said something. I something. think. Are we so disconnected from our from our friends? If now you that, see something, say something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Take the opportunity. <laughs> I think everybody's so worried to offend them, but in this instance, they'd be like, "I need to do this." If she's offended, she'll eventually know that this was the right thing to do. Yeah. If you're really good friends with someone, they will understand and yeah. thank you. And yeah. Like if I had toilet paper on my shoe. I'd want you to say something. Right. If I was wearing mom jeans, mom vests, and had this mullet, I'd be, you know, you should be like, please. So I've been meaning to say something. Yeah. Uh, Constructive criticism, but. Yeah, you don't, you can do the sandwich thing. Yeah. Sandwich that criticism and a couple of compliments. That's what friends are for, yeah. And so this is when we get introduced also to our 
original cast. Yeah. So this is interesting. So, so uh, yeah, Julia, after the five years of uh, trauma, has discovered that someone maybe has been entering her apartment or um, moving her things about. So she's gotten paranoid, obviously, about that's, this being the same person. Dude, Come back to so get her again. And, uh, she just comes home yeah. and finds something slightly moved. Right. Just enough to know. And I don't know if it's moved. because, you know, of random... OCD quirks or what, but I remember always knowing mm. when my mom had like been in my room mm. <laughs> or something, you know, as right. a teen, like nothing would be moved extravagantly, but something would just feel different, you know? And so now you're dealing with that fear that this girl's having. Now you deal with, now you realize what she's been through to get her to this point in her right. look. What she's living life. with, yeah, day in, day out. She's already living with daily fear. And then to come home one day and just have that feeling that something wasn't quite where you left it. Mm -hmm. That's a weird human fear. Sometimes justified, sometimes not. But again, I think we just know. I think we get so used to these kind of things just kind of subconsciously around us. Yeah. That we get, you know, it looks wrong when something's different. And uh, so again, five years later, the torture starts. Again. Yeah, and the, like you said, that's when we get introduced to uh, Carol Kane, who was a counselor at the university that yeah. Julia's at, who now comes she, to help her. She when was she... the victim in the first right. movie, and instead of going, well, we didn't see what happened to her hair five years <laughs> after, but we, but she took her uh, place positive. She became a therapist. She becomes a therapist to yes. help these kind of. Cases. She's one of the good guys now, so she believes Julia when the cops won't really, you know, they don't, they're like, what, someone moved a thing? Who cares? Yeah, that's one of those things. That's part of why it's scary, because what's going to be done? Mm-hmm. What cop is going to be like, sure, we'll have uh, people working in shifts exactly outside. Yeah, we'll, to... have two, we'll have two guys stationed outside your house to just watch it. Yeah. Yeah, because someone moved a turtle on your dresser. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> The specific fear she's been living with is she was alone and somebody got inside this place without her having any idea. Mm -hmm. And now it's happening again. There's nothing she can do to stop it. It's, it's, again, it's that primal fear that you would feel if someone's in your space, in your your personal, you know, safe uh, environment that you have kind of depended on. Right. Having that invaded is uh, awful. Yeah, you know, it's the kind of movie that's so scary because it makes me think immediately of, like, how easy would it be for some random person to decide to just start fucking with you? Hmm. You know? Anybody could do it. People have that intention. People can be real mean if they want to. Oh, yeah. Anybody at any time could be, like... Some people seem to have a lot of time on their hands, too. Yeah. You could do the... She doesn't know who this person is. She doesn't know why they're doing this to her. We don't know why, but yeah. it's something that could just happen. And it's what really is messed up with this movie is like we also we never find out what happened to those kids in the beginning. Yeah. Those kids got abducted and they're gone. Yeah, those kids are done. They we never hear from them again. We don't know where the bodies are. So there's no closure. Yeah. They never find the man in the house for whatever reason. So she is living with this kind of like, this is still an open chapter in her life, you know, yeah. that is still following her around now. And yeah, does it seem crazy that a guy five years later would come back to do this? Yes. It does yeah. seem crazy, but not not unheard of, I guess. How, how crazy does just the original premise sound, yeah. you know? You're sitting at home, somebody managed to know you're alone, get into the house. Like, how did this guy know? Mm, why what what's none of the who what where like none of it has an answer that's true and so five years later if this guy somebody you know just the i'm I'm glad you used the word closure because that's not something i'd specifically thought of Mm -hmm. but that's a big part of the terror is just the not knowing you know no closure you don't have a final answer can you imagine i could like if i was at your house, and I had to like cat sit, and Tacos gets out, and I never hear from him again or see him again. Yeah. That's gonna haunt me yeah. till the day I die. What happened to that cat? Yeah, it's a cat. 
I can't imagine being in charge of two human beings <laughs> and they're just gone. Yeah. Disappeared. Let me tell you. Oh. My parents once left for the weekend and I was old enough to babysit uh, my sister for the weekend. So we were at home alone and my mom would stock us up with like, you know, microwave mac and cheese, like stuff that we wouldn't have to get into any kind of trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Movies to rent, all that stuff. And I fell asleep in the recliner watching, you know, late night Saturday Night Live or something. Sure. Showtime. Watching, yeah, some whatever <laughs> new show. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I woke up uh, and went to turn the TV off. Couldn't find the remote control. No idea where this remote control was. We'd usually keep it right in between two recliners in the little kitty coliseum. Sure. Had a couple remotes in there. No idea where this thing was. So suddenly it's like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and I'm like tipping the chair over to look for this thing. The next day, me and my sister spend hours looking for this remote. Never found it. Oh, my God. No idea. This was 25 years ago. I think about this. A remote. I think about this at least once a month. But where'd it go? I have no idea. Where could it's a it remote have gone? control. It's a not a tiny thing. Yeah, you know, it's a six inch by. You know, it's, it's a like, solid plastic thing. Did all the cells in the remote just suddenly spontaneously? I have spent dissolve into so else? many minutes thinking about this thing because then I'm running down. It's dipped into another dimension. So this is so I'm thinking the most plausible explanation. Is that my sister's been fucking with me for 20 years? <laughs> oh my literally, god, your sister's the stranger yeah, in this movie. Literally, nothing else makes as much sense as that. She's the only other person there. The remote can't just Man. get up and walk away. So that means for me to be <laughs> fully realistic with myself, I have to also believe the odds are. Lauren has been messing with me <laughs> for 20 years. All right, how suddenly this episode is going to turn into how do we get Lauren back? How do we find out the, the answer to this mystery? Because now I need to know. She claims to have no idea where it's at. Mm. And she was helping she... me the whole time look for it. Oh, she sure. She seemed like oh, she really yeah, wanted of course, to. Of course she, she was. And she has stolen from me before as kids. <laughs> but nothing like this. And so, you got to get her under hypnosis or something. Yeah. So, obviously, I didn't lose a couple of living things. No. But it still bugs me. And the fact that my parents both think that I did something to that remote to this day. <laughs> they think I broke it or something and then buried oh, the absolutely. evidence. That is the most plausible from their perspective. Yes. Of yeah. course he did something <laughs> to it. I have no godly oh, clue. man. That's one of those things. That's I'm going to hike to the top of some crazy mountain. I don't need to know the secret of life. I just need to know what happened to this remote. Where could it have gone? Now, I was also a sleepwalker mm. in my teens. Interesting. The story unfolds. So all yeah. of this. Now it's. Now I do <laughs> this think thing it's could be here. anywhere. Yeah. This, I'm going to devote a whole Did you check the back of the toilet? <laughs> just in the tank <laughs> for the last 20 years. So this girl, Julia. She has been dealing with this same... How did he get inside? How did he take the children? How did nobody see this? Who was the man outside the door? Mm-hmm. Who was the man in the house that I did see? She's had no answers. She's had my remote control problem times 200 Yeah, for five years of her life. That is psychological torture. That is terrible. Yeah. It makes sense why she's such a downer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She needs a win. She, she needs, needs a, win a win bad. Oh, man. Well, so, uh, yeah. So she gets help from uh, Jill Johnson, played by Carol Kane, uh, who's the character again from the first one. Great Carol Kane performance. Oh, great too. Carol Kane. Good era for Kane. Mm hmm. It's that 93. Early 90s. Uh-huh. Kane. Great. Yeah. Loved Carol Kane in this. And then. Uh, Carol Kane gets the help of Charles Durning, oh. who was also in the first one. And this is a, a classic Durning performance. Durning is one of these guys that the more and more movies we watch, we keep finding ourselves falling. I had no in love. I, in love <laughs> with these like kind of paunchy, white-haired men. Mm-hmm. Like now George Kennedy is like a movie day legend. Oh, yeah. For some of the stuff we've seen him in. And Durning... 
I didn't realize Durning was such a genre badass. And Dennehy has become a huge... Dennehy, uh, big time. Suddenly all the guys that we're so into <laughs> are all these same exact early 90s. God. Pudgy, white-haired Durning dudes. and Dennehy could be brothers. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we saw Durning in uh, the, uh, the Scarecrow movie. Oh, the Night of the Scarecrow? Night, Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Dark Night cool. of the Scarecrow. Oh, God. Sure. We'll he's do an like episode the, on that. He's the bad guy in that one, right? Well, they're all bad guys. The uh, town, sure. uh, no, town no, are no, awful. No. But uh, so Dur- And there was another one that we're like, man, apparently Durning's a Like, we kept finding all these great white-haired, chubby white dudes. And yeah, Durning is a cool dude to show up in this. Yeah, he helps out. He thinks there's only one person. Julia thinks there was two men, one outside, one in the house. Yeah. Uh, Durning doesn't see how that's possible. He's, yeah, he's, and they actually go back to the house and do this whole like CSI scene where they're like trying to figure out the distance and all right, fifteen feet there, yeah. and then you go there. They're so just trying cool to desperately little. figure out how the hell any of this happened. Yeah, how like, any of this makes sense. Yeah, the times don't match up. Nothing matches up. And should we talk about the villain? One of the weirdest intros to a villain i think we've ever seen talking about the nightclub act yeah this is uh this is where it gets so then it gets this weird is where, <laughs> this is where this movie actually kind of in the yeah this last bit is where it really cements its place oh, gosh. in the annals of what the fuck yeah this is a total like just what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> where did this come from and where why did we get here? And uh yeah, before we even really f- see our villain in the flesh for the first time, uh doesn't Julia try to kill herself? Yeah. Oh, or yeah. gets gets shot in the head and we don't know why yeah. or how. She she's, she winds up in like the she hospital. She ends up in a coma. In, in a This is so brutal. This is such a character assassination. I'm sure Jill Sholin got the hell out of Hollywood after this. Not only have to get that look that she sports after her trauma, then they have her fail a suicide attempt. (laughs) But it puts her in like a coma. Yeah. Because she botches shooting herself. Like they just need to keep this woman alive (laughs) to continually torture her, apparently. This character gets so well, this, <laughs> dumped on. Yeah, so this is where things are like, now we're desperate to find out who this guy is. Yeah, this guy tor- psychologically tortures her to the point of suicide. Yeah. so and the he, movie can't even give her her death. I'm trying to remember now how he comes to this conclusion, but he figures out that this must have been one man who could throw his voice. Yeah. That's which a, is a real thing a that people do, theory. apparently. Yeah. To go like that's a end of the rope kind of thing where you're like you know what the only thing this could have been one man throwing his voice throwing his voice to appear yeah. like a second man and then it's like well where do I find men who throw their voice well you got to go down to Forty Second Street <laughs> <laughs> in the grimiest part of New York City yeah and taking a show at a local cabaret club that'll yeah. surely have a ventriloquist I've heard of a guy who can throw his voice pretty good. You gotta go. Oh, you're talking about uh, Johnny throws his voice. <laughs> <laughs> we go into the seedy underground world of low rent club ventriloquism. It's it's like <laughs> it's like the club that De Niro's playing at at the end of Raging Bull. Yeah, it's just like this little <laughs> shitty dive. So anyway, somehow Durney finds his way there, and uh, he has a little seat at the table. Sits down for with a drink and packed lights. house for a ventriloquist. Packed house, bunch of rich people come in with some champagne, yeah. right? And uh, the lights come up on this ventriloquist, and I already think ventriloquists are obviously yeah, nobody, very strange. There's never like going to be a movie about like here's this ventriloquist, the cool with a ventriloquist, heart. <laughs> yeah, the cool ventriloquist with a heart of gold. Uh, yeah, the uh, you know from the early Twilight Zones, you know, so yeah. ventriloquists and their dummies have always been trouble. Dummies have never been painted very well. So when they first introduced, when Journey first introduced the idea of, I think it's the guy who throws his voice. I'm like, so what? Are we going to go look for a ventriloquist? In my head. Yeah. And then he literally goes to look for a ventriloquist. 
That's the first word. It's like, what? All right. Scours so the clubs. Literally going to go look like not even, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I thought he was going to go find. Like what other profession they throw their voice in. Like, oh, obviously he'll go to the circus and, uh, or, you know, the sideshow or something. But it's like, no, he goes to find the ventriloquist. If, if I was the, the victim of these attacks and I found out the detective hot on my on the only detective working my case was like, yeah, I'm working on this theory that a guy, a uh, ventriloquist, <laughs> I'd immediately be like, this guy's never going to get caught. <laughs> like, this guy is... I got the worst fucking detective. Yeah, this guy, I got assigned a total dud. I got <laughs> So I've been working on this theory that, uh, oh no. Oh Jesus. I got the experimental guy that gets the loony cases. This is the guy that gets assigned to the... Yeah, we're just gonna have to put Reynolds on it. Like, <laughs> well, this is like uh, what they, were, yeah, they, you know, if Fox Mulder had been this guy, he never would have got anything done. He'd right? Like, it was a ventriloquist. It's like it was clearly aliens, Fox, <laughs> <laughs> but aliens that could throw their voice. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> stop! Yeah. Co- stop coming up with the throw your voice thing. Yeah. You were really hung up. It this guy's once, had this. But... This guy's had this theory for fifteen years, and he's been just waiting to cash in. Throwing your voice, but then it turns out it is a ventriloquist. Dude, this, this movie is like, yes, we will, uh, we will do that. We will go yeah, there. We will. I like that. As instead of we'll go there, it's just a yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> we will do that. Showtime was really like. I just want to picture some Showtime boardroom meeting, and some guys like. We're getting into the horror business. This is 1993. Horror could not have been more dead in mm. the States at that point. The la- the big horror movie, if you can even call it big, Candyman came out the year before. Sure. Theatrical horror, though, until from 93 till probably Scream was dead. Mm-hmm. That was a dead genre. So I want some Showtime exec being like, we're getting into the horror game. Somebody's got to fill that niche and we'll go. Go there. We'll do it. We and, will uh, do that. By making a sequel to a movie from 14 years <laughs> Quick, ago. Somebody find me what properties we can buy up. Exactly. <laughs> well, when a stranger calls back from... Great. Did 15... it have a ventriloquist in it? No. Put one in the new one. <laughs> yeah, I wanted, Maybe I think, it did. I honestly Dude, think... Honestly, honestly, when a stranger yeah, calls know. could be entirely about ventriloquism. And we're shocked at this ventriloquist. For all I know, it could be like, oh, yeah, the ventriloquist killer's back. What if that's how Durning, like immediately goes to the throw your voice thing? He's like, hey, Carol, remember that case that you were involved in 14 years ago? Pretty much the same. Is that it? It's pretty much the same scenario. Is that where we're showing that and we And it was a ventriloquist all along? Original? Us who were like, you don't even need to see the original. And then we find out there's a whole well, very important ventriloquist I th- We'll angle. do our research after the episode. Yeah. Um, but all you need to know We're is, not editing any of this. All you need to know is there's a fucking ventriloquist in this movie. And, and, is, and he's a freak. Oh, as, man. Even as ventriloquist. Girl, yeah. The dude is a total freak. If you're comparing him to other ventriloquists, <laughs> this, is the, uh, this is the ventriloquist that the other ventriloquists don't like hanging around. Exactly. <laughs> this is the one they're like, oh, God. Tom's on this card. Oh. So this guy shows up. He's dressed all in black. He's got black grease paint. It's not even like blackface. He's just he's completely blacked out, head to toe. Uh, then his dummy's resting on his his lap, and the dummy reveal is truly one of the most terrifying things has ever happened to me. Yeah, the dummy is revealed, and it's just got no. It's no face from it's Dick faceless. Tracy. It's yeah. got no face. The smooth wooden front. And the guy proceeds to kind of give this uh, psychological uh, test to all the different audience members and just basically tear them apart and reveal all these little insecurities yeah. through the dummy that's, you know, this mouthless if I'm to, and eyeless. If I understand how these things work, a bunch of couples got divorced this night. It was a rough date night. Because this guy made them look like clowns yeah <laughs> yeah he's ba- he's he's bagging on the local frat boys that are there he's making fun of the older lady who's got all the makeup on and yeah just really he's really calling people out on their insecurities really yeah. calling people out for everything and the way it's presented so he's got the creepy faceless dummy and he like charlie said all dressed in black completely unseen 
is sitting in the dark mm-hmm. holding the dummy. And then you yeah, see just like, a spotlight on the dummy. Yeah, and then you see his like eyeballs Ugh. open. Oh God, it's really cre- it's, it's so it's, creepy it's like and unnerving. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really it's unnerving. so weird. I don't like it. No. It is so. <laughs> the oh. scene is so so weird. I mean, just an odd way to introduce an odd, odd villain. But this guy is a real piece of work. Piece of work. This guy real is piece of work. This guy is a real. And you know what? Uh, he basically, yeah, about halfway through the set, he gets kicked off by the uh, the booker who's yeah, like, crowd, "All right, you're out of here." The crowd isn't taking the performance. No, they don't. Well. They don't. They don't They're enjoy into it. it. No, they mm-hmm. want more of the dancing and the uh, and the fun. Stuff. It was like a variety show kind of thing, right. right? There were other acts, right? And this was the night's. Uh, Inward mirror at yourself done by a blackface ventriloquist. Right. Didn't Not really fit the theme of the night. Tough act. Yeah. Tough act you to gotta follow. know your crowd. Oh man. Yeah, so who went uh, on next? Yeah. So Durning uh, yeah, who went on next? Someone just shaking her tatas, I think. That was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were like, yeah. get the girls out there. Yeah. <laughs> we need a win. We and then there was that one the, like and then it even showed that it, it took the moment to like have the booker kind of throw the guy in the back and and the one Did- the one weird stripper girl's like I like the show. And oh, the guy's yeah. kind of staring at her and then gives her the dummy, I want to say. Yeah. It's just like these weird Every interaction is weird. It's like, what is this dude's deal even? Like, you don't even really get a sense of what his problem is and why this would lead him to then, like, go after babysitters and kidnap One kids. One specific babysitter. Never yeah. Really... And again, the kids that we just don't know about. Never, never oh, showed gosh. up again. They might be in the dummy. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that faceless dummy. How awful. How awful. Just so creepy. And so, but Durning is hot on his trail. He went to the seediest of the ventriloquism clubs on 42nd Street. Sniffed him out. (laughs) (laughs) The movie is kind of implausible in a lot of ways, but captures the essence of horror so well Mm. that I was not out for any one second. Other than her look. <laughs> that was the one thing that broke my mood. Every other part, the weirdest parts of this story, the oddest things, I was like hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's better. he better find out where that ventriloquist lives. <laughs> I, am, <laughs> I am very interested in this. Yeah, so then it becomes kind of this cat and mouse, uh, cat and mouse game between him and the ventriloquist guy and the ventriloquist guy and Jill, the Carol Kane character, and then... All of a sudden, um, there's this long scene of the ventriloquist guy standing at Julia's bed. <sighs> Julia. What even was that scene about? Julia, who failed her suicide. She's in a coma, yeah, and he's just standing but over her. But the way her. that scene was filmed was almost like a Dario Argento kind of scene. Right. It was kind of this long shot where you could see how this guy, oh, Julia, who's a vegetable due to her botched suicide. Mm-hmm. The oh, poor girl. <laughs> this poor girl. Just, she can't do a thing. No. The nurse leaves her side. It's night. And there's like a few beats of silence of her. And again, you're now just seeing Julia alone. Mm-hmm. And then that dude, you see movement. Right. And you're like, oh my God. It's like uh, Michael Myers. He just materializes out of the dark. Yeah. And kind of just enters into the frame. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, you yeah. just dread. The the way it was shot, the way you see him appear. This movie's not doing any phony, hokey zooms or building fake tension with, like, a bad score. Mm-hmm. It plays it really quiet and really slow. And so it just takes this long shot. And all you're seeing is her, you know, in the bed on the right of the screen getting the lay of this room, it's quiet, it's empty, it's still, and that's when you see movement. Mm. The camera doesn't move, Mm -hmm. something else moves. It was such a perfectly shot scene, and that whole first 30 minutes was perfectly shot. This this director just gets horror. This This whole thing is a master class in building those kind of scenes. But yeah, this guy's just in her hospital room, and then... Just stares at her. Just stares at her. Starts uh, 
hitting her stomach for some reason to see if she'll wake up maybe i don't know like yeah it's so weird like you never really get the answer like what his fascination is with her no. what the it's obsession so much worse. is why they're connected in this you know i don't know man it's just like but that kind of makes it all the scarier yeah just the randomness like you said that someone could just fixate on you yeah for whatever and then reason just make you their mission in life yeah in not a good, you know, in the bad way. Yeah, in a bad way. <laughs> in a real bad way. Him um, hitting her in the stomach was so. You ta- you you use the word chilling mm-hmm. for. It was presented so, like plainly, and so, uh, devoid of style. It's just him literally just throwing a few pounding shots he, right at her stomach, and then like almost waiting for a reaction. But there's no. Again, there's no weird, you know, string music that mm-hmm. they make. It, we're just watching a guy, and we're just hearing these dull thuds of him hitting a vegetables. St- like, it's so weird. And he's kind of, to me, he seemed very kind of almost like ape or like proto-man like sure. in that moment. Like, he doesn't even know. Like, he's finally got her right there. Yeah. Right? She's finally right in front of him, this person he's pursued, let's say, for five years. He doesn't know what to do with her. All he can think to do is... <laughs> poker you know basically like a sure like an animal like he's so removed from but then i'm being able to interact with people that he's just he's so on this other like crazy level I, i'm watching this and i'm thinking how many times has he done stuff like this to her totally. even when she wasn't a vegetable how many times has he just been inside her place staring at her did he really oh, take yeah, a five-year yeah. break or has he just waited five years and then decided to let her know he's back, even though he might have been there the whole time. You don't know, but those were the things that were racing through my brain while watching this that kept me so scared. I had to actually make myself do like some uh, rhythmic breathing (laughs) during a part of this because I was so, I realized I was so on edge and so tense. I was like, man, you need to, you need to chill out. You still got several, (laughs) like, you need to, don't lose it here, Rich. Yeah, you are. People are depending on you exactly. for the rest of the... You gotta, you gotta be present, man. That's so funny. I had to just sit there and kind of have to start doing just like a... Right. It's gonna be okay. Because this whole thing is so brutal. And God, the conclusion that we build to with him, again, using his crazy blackface. Yeah. Because we get... We get him blending into a wall. Okay, yeah. There's like, no real other way to say no. this. He paints himself uh, like in a brick pattern. <laughs> he paints himself to look exactly like this wall. <laughs> and it was another one of those moments where I think we... Charles Durning uh, finds this guy's apartment. He finds his creepy shack. And he sees some photos of Jill, Carol Kane's interior of her apartment. Yeah. Well, there's a Just specific... Just like the wall. This brick wall art yeah. piece that I, really stands out as right. something we've seen a bunch throughout the movie. Right. The movie's very smart about setting up these kind of things without being... Eh? Mm-hmm. Better, better remember what this looks like. But it I was, think there was a sense when we saw those photos that was like... That guy's not going to try to disguise himself <laughs> as a wall, is yeah. he? That couldn't be what we're we, doing here. It's like we all knew, but we still didn't, <laughs> didn't want to believe it. Yeah, it's yeah. like, he's not. Is that what he's? No. I mean, he's not going to blend into a wall and then throw his voice around the apartment to try <laughs> to knock her off the scent here before he attacks her. Right? Right? <laughs> it's like we all knew, but we didn't. This guy feels like a villain on Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> <laughs> the Ventriloquist. Yeah, right? There was one, yeah. Uh, it just, oh yeah. Was, but it, it feels like such a weird cartoony villain, but it's so weirdly real. Mm-hmm. It's too real. This guy's too... He's soulless. Yeah, that's what... It's like, uh, yeah, his total seeming lack of motivation is what really is just so unnerving. Yeah, we don't know this dude. Yeah. We don't know... I don't know you. (laughs) I don't know this guy. Yeah. We don't know why he is, who or what he is. We don't know what he is. 
This is not a guy that we then get like the big backstory of like right. his troubled childhood. Well, yeah, exactly. Like in popcorn, Toby's got the backstory. Yeah. A little too Toby's much got, of it. No. Toby's, got, Toby's got reasons that we see a lot of to um, get there, where he got. Or villains always have a reason, right? Villains always have some reason to be fascinated by or or have a you know target on these people for some reason. But yeah, you never get that. Yeah. And so well, yeah, and the yeah, sorry. Over the last decade we've gotten that I think it's a dumb trend of having movie killers have no reason. Except they're all done such like meat hook blunt. Where it's like, no, these people are just evil sadists that want to murder everyone. Like, this guy's not a murderer. This guy's right. so much scarier to me because he's not just like, you know, there's so many of these movies. It's like, oh, yeah, this family just showed up at our house one night and murdered us. Right. Like, that's a popular last 10 years cheap way to that make makes, a movie. Right, that, I know what you're saying. You know, and it's like, they had no motive. They just, yeah. but this guy doesn't, this guy has some kind of motive, but mm-hmm. nobody could ever figure out what the hell it is and he's not murdering people we think we don't know those kids are somewhere I, yeah it maybe really kids, still kind of maybe the kids did get still returned or something we never just hear about that family anymore it's five years later like she's elsewhere yeah and i think it, they mention it in this one but i'm pretty sure in the original when a stranger calls Carol Kane being the babysitter at the time. I think those kids got straight up murdered. Mm. I think she mentioned it in this movie. Like the kids actually die in that one. So yeah, we don't know this time. But the final scene is Carol Kane in her apartment. The guy's throwing his voice all over the place. Yeah, uh, we don't know where he is. We can't see him because he's chameleoned into the side of this uh, brick wall. But then yeah, we eventually see those eyes that you see in that first scene on the stage, right, with his eyes darting back and forth in the dark and. And it's like, it, sh- it should be funny, almost. It should be like, yeah. this fucking guy with brick paint. <laughs> but it really, it was it was still, like, it got me. Yeah, it was very, like, it was well, very kind of exhilarating of, like, they're doing, again, like, they're going there. They are going to do that. This. They are doing this. They, they're And it's all, you know, <laughs> it's all practical effects. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a Showtime made for TV movie, so this guy is just painted into the wall but you really if they blended visuals of him not being there with them with him being there only when they needed it for the shot Mm. then they did it incredibly well because for all i know that guy could have been there the whole time they had it painted up and done so well oh god Mm. but it reminded me a lot of and then made me think it was as good as the same kind of horror that Silence of the Lambs brought, Mm. you know, and especially, you know, this Buffalo Bill, like, that's a pretty iconic villain, but his whole basement where he's not throwing his voice, but he's the only one that can see, Mm -hmm. and and you just see her through his night vision goggles stumbling around his weird, creepy, awful, totally cluttered basement. And this is that same kind of feeling of like, where do I even look? Where do I go? I know this guy's here with me right now, but it's in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. It's in daylight in her apartment. Like he's not hiding in the shadows. He's hiding in front of her. It's messed up. Man. It's messed up. <laughs> this movie was messed up. This is one of the genuinely most terrifying movies I've ever seen. Like top five scariest movies I've ever watched personally there you go it was yeah. uh yeah I, it was very memorable too all of the scares all of the characters were memorable uh they shoot the guy at the end they kill him he's Just dead so you know. he's dead now don't worry about is that is he yeah for all i know Question he's mark. developed some kind of weird bullet absorption um technique yeah but this guy's uh, capable of weird stuff it was uh it was great it was it's baffling that it only has like a five out of ten or yeah, whatever you told on, me that on the ratings. And I thought surely Charlie was wrong. I looked up on IMDb. It is like a low-rated flick. I don't get it, man. I think it's if I think it's effective. I think it's. Uh, I think it it's it's, it's got yeah. enough of that kind of weird craziness. Like it should be a a cult classic just for just for the ventriloquist. Yeah, how is that just no not like and, a and thing that. that got passed around the internet? Right. 
Here's an evil blackface ventriloquist. <laughs> How is that and it's not a thing that people who've never seen this movie know about the villain? Yeah. Like it it makes no sense to me. I don't know why this movie got is still so such an obscurity. I mean, I it's know. on it's on Amazon Prime right now. And it obviously has name actors in it. But yeah, somebody goes to IMDb 6.3 out of 10. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It it had to be. It just got lumped in with other TV movies. I, that's what I would think. It, it got lumped in with maybe that Showtime. Well, A, not everyone had Showtime back then. So obviously sure. probably didn't get watched a lot. Yeah, I don't then. know if it got a, like a you know rental store release. Right. Or if it was just something that only played on Showtime. I don't actually know. Maybe eventually. But yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. How did you even uh, come across it, or or think to get it on the on the ballot um, of our of our movie day where we? I vote? think it was kind of a fluke. I think it was um, after Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, which we watched a few years ago, which is another TV movie mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that we talked about because it also had Durning. Yeah, King of the TV movies. Um, I think I went to look. I loved him in that movie so much that I kind of did a little dive into his IMDb profile to see what other kind of genre work he right. had done. And this one had come up, but I wrote it off because, oh, it sounds like a cheap made-for-TV cash-in on a movie that wasn't even fresh mm-hmm. when they cashed in on it. Um, and I think some online list, like a year later, something like, you know, underrated horror movies you haven't seen. Right. I saw it on there, and it immediately was like, oh, Weird. So that was like somebody somewhere recommended it as like, uh, this is actually really good. So then it just made me way more interested. And then when I watched that first half hour, it's like, oh, this is amazing. So yes, I've been wanting to watch this with a group for a while, but I was not aware of this one until probably a couple years ago, mm-hmm. three years ago, maybe. That's great. So yeah, uh, we're and we watch TV horror movies. We are fans of the TV horror movie genre i'm a believer you know i love it yeah and this was different than other two movies because it is rated r oh yeah. it was showtime you know so there's this was not like a shown on abc tv movie right this this is an r-rated horror movie and honestly they probably didn't even this could be one of those things where i'm looking back at why it was rated r and sometimes a critic or a ratings board will give it an R rating because it's like, it just feels like an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. Like the movie Existence is rated R. There's no nudity. There's no swearing. There's no gory violence. But it's just those like gooey, slimy F machines that they're, some ratings board was like, no, something about this just feels R. Right. Feels incorrect. So I think this movie is just so intense. Well... And the parents' guide on IMDb. It's, oh yes, it says it's rated R for terror slash violence, and for some nudity and language. So, but I don't even remember nudity. I don't remember nudity. Either. Maybe you see the girl in her underwear or something. But it's got moderate nudity, moderate violence, moderate profanity, mild drugs, severe frightening and intense scenes. <laughs> see? Yeah. yeah, all the other stuff that's is like the, uh, there's the... some other stuff, but it is terrifying. It's actually really freaking scary. So yeah, it seemed like it's got some a movie that situations. gets its R rating entirely from the fact that it's just so scary. Yeah. So if that doesn't convince you, yeah. I don't know what else we could do. This is just a total gem. Yeah. I mean, you said that earlier. Uh, it's such it's such a silly idea. 1993 TV movie that turns out, be, turns yeah. out to be one of the scariest movies ever made. Sure. If Why you haven't not? seen it and you were idiots and listened to all of this. <laughs> I think you would still watch it after listening to us ramble on and still be scared. Yeah. It's so effectively done. It's just really one of those where you go like, oh, yeah, this is the art form. Like, this is the craft. This is an artfully crafted horror movie. Yeah. 100%. I am wanting to dig into this guy's post When a Stranger Calls Back TV movie career. I think we're going to find some good there's, ones in there. There's a lot of 90s steamy thrillers that this guy did. <laughs> Why did you move your head like that when you said I did steamy? Kind of, I did like a head steamy. shimmy just now. Steamy thrillers. 
yeah these these ones all sound pretty good <laughs> so i think i think we gotta do some fred walton deep dive i gotta know what these 90s tv movies we're are coming like. for you, you walton know. yeah the the one that uh there's the <laughs> gregory hines yeah in, as a disc jockey in fred walton's dead air mm. that mm. sounds like a classic yeah right there want to see dead air with gregory hines and in 1992 he did home wrecker mm. mm-hmm. sounds steamy these these sound like the steamiest kind of thrillers <laughs> in a good way i am here for fred walton's tv movie steam fests well but we, yeah <laughs> i'm blown away by this this is just such a classic horror movie like an all-time great i would i i cannot think of probably 10 other horror movies that i would like more than this wow yeah there you go guys i'm all aboard when a stranger calls back give it a shot do it do it until then we will uh we'll be back it'll come to this again oh yeah big time (laughs) i'm eric i'm charlie thank you for listening thanks guys